the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have definitely got a silly episode for you, something full of slapstick humor. We are taking things back to earnest. Woo! You know what I mean, Vern? Know what I mean? You know what I mean, Vern? Oh, Shoot me in the head, I heard that phrase so much <laughs> doing the prep for this episode. Uh, yes, yeah, so that means we are going to be talking the 1987 film, Ernest Goes to Camp. We're also going to talk about the very short-lived show, uh, Hey Vern, It's Ernest. And instead of recasting Ernest, we decided to do kind of a whatever we want and so, John, let us know, what are we uh, casting today? Yeah, so I knew I didn't want to recast Ernest Goes to Camp, because that's going to include casting a lot of kids. We all know how you feel about that. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, and so I just decided, okay, um, it's summertime. You know, we're coming up on the 4th of July. Let's do something kind of American. Let's do Justice League of or Justice Society of America. Then I realized... They're already casting a lot of those people for the upcoming Black Adam movie, so we flipped it a little bit, and we're going to be casting our version of a Justice League International film. Justice League International is something I I don't really know much about, but so I kind of had to look up some of these characters, mm-hmm. but I'm excited about it. I think I got myself a good cast. I have to say, I was actually introduced to several of these characters from having watched the Justice League cartoon that uh, we had to watch for... Mm-hmm. Uh, our episode with uh, Marcus Ellis, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you end up watching any of like the uh, Justice League Unlimited, which is the one that we mentioned? Y- you get more some of the obscure characters like these. Yes, and actually, uh, I actually enjoyed that because I'm a big fan of the character, the Question, and so I went and specifically looked for a few episodes with the Question in it, and was introduced to some of these other characters like Booster Gold, who I knew who he was. I knew that he existed. I just didn't know anything about him. Awesome. All right. Well, very cool. And thank you, Marcus Ellis, for uh, kind of making this casting happen. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Good good friend of the podcast. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about Ernest soon. Uh, but right now, I kind of want to be brought back to 1987. You know, I got to say, if, uh, if somebody were to tally up uh, the number of movies that we've done per year, I'm pretty sure 1987 would be the winner. Because there were so many movies that we have talked about that came out of 1987. So this film was released on May 22nd, 1987. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week is a great song, With or Without You, by U2. Oh, yeah. Very, very awesome song. Uh, No surprise, topping the Nielsen ratings would have been The Cosby Show. Of course, it's the 80s. Yep. Uh, New York Times bestseller is a book called Fine Things by Danielle Steele. Heard the name, never read the book. Yeah, yeah, I I know her. She's a, or I I know of her. Yes. 
And the video game that people would have been playing for a f- couple months at this point, but uh, it was a big one, was Contra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That was a big one. That was um, started up a lot of uh, like cheat codes and things like that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my little fun fact for 1987, uh, that's when we coined a new word, borked. And it came into the political arena, meaning railroaded through an interview with no chance of being approved. Oh, you were borked. You got borked. Borked. B-O-R-K-E-D. Okay, borked. And that was 1987. All right. Well, uh, we've got Ernest upcoming. And I just want to let everybody know out there, last month on our Patreon, on our Patreon-exclusive uh, monthly episode that we do, uh, John and I did a what we're calling our sequels series now um we discussed what did we discuss tron legacy tron legacy Woo! sorry that went blank in my head <laughs> I've, I've got only Ernest on the brain i'll tell you um so this month to tie in with Ernest goes to camp we are going to do <laughs> there's a lot of sequels to choose from <laughs> but we are going with Ernest goes to jail so john and i are going to watch that one and kind of have an open-ended discussion about it and we will put that out for our exclusive patrons-only uh, episode for the month of June. So if you guys want to hear more Ernest, and we know you do, or if you want to hear us uh, be tortured by Ernest, <laughs> and you might want to might want to hear that, uh, make sure you check out our Patreon. <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp is from 1987. It was written and directed by John Cherry, who wrote and directed all of the Ernest stuff. Uh, you know, pr- pretty much he created the character and, well, and and Jim Varney kind of really ran with it, but it's mm-hmm. it's their thing. Ernest began as a character doing commercials in 1980. I think around the Nashville area is what I saw, or kind of, a, I think that's where he kind of started coming up. Um, first did local commercials, then grew to national commercials, then to sketches and a TV show and then films. And then those films eventually went straight to video as one does <laughs> in these kind of this progress of life. So there are nine Ernest films. Oh, yep. Ernest Goes to Camp is the first one, 1987. Ernest Saves Christmas is the next. Ernest Goes to Jail is the next. Then Ernest Scared Stupid. Ernest Rides Again. Ernest Goes to School, Slam Dunk Ernest, Ernest Goes to Africa, which I'm sure is not going to hold up well, uh, and then Ernest in the Army, which was the last one in 1998, and it's the last one probably due to the fact that Jim Varney passed away in the year 2000. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Jim Varney, he is really the main and only person that's kind of worth talking about, I guess. Um, I mean, he is Ernest. That, you know, think about, remember when we talked about uh, Alf, and Alf is a character that you would see in a bunch of different things, and just like that guy, I can't even remember his name, mm-hmm. was Alf, and that was just kind of how it was. Jim Varney was Ernest. Yeah. He did a few other things, though. I do remember he was in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Correct. Um, and then most famously, uh, he was the voice of Slinky Dog from Toy Story. That's right. I think a lot of kids would recognize, and he did. Actually, I love his voice in Toy Story. I think oh, yeah. it's great, ca- great casting. It works perfectly. Yep. There's actually, uh, and I'll mention a couple of the actors as we kind of get to them in the movie. Um, but I do want to mention Crutchfield, who is one of the kids. Uh, I think he was the kid who kind of wore a denim ripped, you know, sleeveless jacket and had like the purple sunglasses. I yes. think that's Crutchfield. Yeah. 
Um, that is Scott Menville. Yeah. Uh, he is the voice of Robin in pretty much all of the Teen Titans cartoons. Yeah. Um, so, like, Teen Titans, Teen Titan Go, New Teen Titans, whatever, that movie that they had. Um, he was also the voice of Mati, who's Heart uh, in Captain Planet, which we <laughs> talked about uh, way back when. Uh, he also did a voice of Johnny Quest in the mid-'80s for one of the Johnny Quest shows. Yeah, he's a big so. voice voiceover actor now. Yep, tons, tons of credits. Uh, and so why did they make nine of these? Well, I can tell you why. Uh, because this movie had a budget of $3.5 million. Which, watching the movie, I want to know where did all that money go. I think most of that was pocketed because it was certainly not put into a lot of the production. But it did make $23 million. Nice. So, yeah, it made, you know, like seven times or, you know, at least six times uh, the budget. So that's why they kept it going. You know, I got to say, I'm not all that surprised because if you find the right market, even movies that go straight to video can make you money. If you think about the Olsen twins and all of those straight to video things that they made and how much money they actually made off, not just necessarily the movies, but the marketing and, you know, the all the fashion line and everything that they did together that mm -hmm. to me, I didn't know anyone who had any of their stuff, but they were certainly making money off it. And I talk to like you know you, you talk to people today and they're nostalgic for those movies. Some of their those that stuff was really watched. Oh yeah, you know it really was. Um, and I think for particularly for the Olsen twins, I think even though obviously they were young and so they were getting paid as actors, I'm pretty sure they went in as producers pretty early on in those movies. Yeah. And so they were getting you know much bigger cuts than um, you know a typical child actors. Would. Right. They were so. smart, man. They were smart. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so let's get into this movie. Yes, we have to. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's start us off with our breakdown. And we start in the past. There's like this whole uh, you know Native, Amer Native American ceremony, a bravery ceremony happening. And we see this specific symbol uh, that one of them is kind of chained to as he's having stuff thrown at him. Uh, it's the symbol of the camp. We then meet Ernest, who's talking to the camera. Uh, breaking the fourth wall is something that he does very often. With yeah. this character. I mean, actually, it's, it's hard to say it's even breaking. I guess it is breaking the fourth wall because as we'll see in the show and a lot of the cartoons or the a lot of the commercials, he's talking to someone, to someone named Vern. And right. we're and we as the audience are through the eyes of Vern. Yeah. But in the movie, it's different. He, he's just kind of talking to the audience. He doesn't um, he doesn't address us as Vern or anything like that. So which I think is fine. I think I yeah. mean it makes more sense, especially for a movie like this. Yeah, 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 I don't, I don't want to be that character or whatever that is kind of situation that they set up. But him, him talking to the camera was kind of an important aspect of the character. So I think it makes sense that they start up with that. And Ernest, a lot of slapsticky stuff. He is, he's a, it's a kids show, yeah, kind of thing, you know. Absolutely. I mean, so, so he's up putting something up on this, um, up on this big sign and with a ladder, and of course he falls off, ha 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 ha, and he screws up. Yeah, he screws up a lot. So, um, I will say. Because I watched the show before I watched this one, and it was nice to see higher quality cameras being used, and it, and it was nice to see it not just being handheld. I was nice. To, I was happy to see tripods and cranes and yeah. things like that in this film. So, which we'll talk about when we uh, go to Hey Vern, it's Ernest. So, he accidentally lets this uh, kind of cart go off on its own when he's cleaning toilets, and one of the first things that I do remember is like, uh, oh, that cart. I remember that card a little bit once, yep. once I saw it. And then also when he's cleaning toilets at this part, he looks up to the camera and goes, Ew. Ew. 
And I'm like, I saw that and I was like, oh shit, we used to do that to each other. Yep. <laughs> we would absolutely like look at each other as kids and make that noise and kind of do that face. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, cleaning the toilet proves difficult. Ha ha ha, farcical slapstick comedy. And as a physical comedian, honestly, I don't, I don't think it's all that amazing. Like I, I, Y'all know I, I'm a fan of Seinfeld, no surprise. But, like, when I was watching this, I couldn't help but kind of compare his physical hum- his physical comedy to someone like a Michael Richards. And I was just like, oh, Michael Richards it just felt like he was on another level. Ernest was fine, and he just does some stuff. But it was always a lot of the stuff on this one, you don't see the gag. Like, the gag is off screen, I think, for production reasons. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's not bad. I don't. I don't think his stuff is really bad, and kids don't care. But right. you know, looking at it as an adult, it's just like okay, he's he's just kind of silly and doing some slapsticky stuff. But I don't think his physical comedy is as good as I remember. I thought it was better. I thought he was much better of a physical comedian, and it's more of just like hey, he's just wacky. I don't think that he ever himself probably considered himself a physical comedian. I think that was just the way the character worked out, mm. and they had he had to make you know, do with that yeah. character. Um, and honestly, I was fine with it. Okay. I mean, for, for kids, it's not a, not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's just you'd, me over, overanalyzing it. I definitely had to take a step back of, you know, a few minutes into this film and, and, and talk to myself and kind of be like, okay, you have to remember what it was like to watch this as a kid. Yeah. Because the comedy is not going to be the same to you now as a 40-year-old as it was to you as a 10-year-old. Wow. That, that is uh, very adult of you, John. I wish <laughs> I wish I could have done the same. And I tell you what helped was having my children in the room while I watched it. Awesome. I, I'm i excited to hear more about that uh, later, which is kind of how we typically do it. And yeah. you know, at the end of the movie, you'll let us know what um, what they thought. So kids come to camp. It's Camp Kikiki um, with K's. I thought that had flashbacks of Country Corner, our daycare. <laughs> <laughs> that was all K's. Uh, and they're all dicks to Ernest, these kids at camp. Fuck those little kids. They're just spoiled white kids. <laughs> they, they really are. And all of them like were blonde. Every single one of them was just like. <laughs> and all the ones who were in any kind of a leadership role were like obviously like on a power trip. Yeah. Uh, we also meet the camp's nurse as he's building like this lifeguard tower. And he just we kind of get some reiteration that he really wants to be a counselor one day. That's just this big goal that he's got. He wants to be a counselor, not just the handyman. We see that Ernest still has to, he needs to get his shots. And so he goes in for that. Obviously, he's scared. He uh, screams when he gets his shot. I did it. I took the Lindbergh, baby. I am Joseph Mingala. Oh. I mean, stuff that kids definitely don't understand. No, but oh, they... I, didn't, I didn't get the jokes then, but I actually laughed out loud at that part. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're just a little bit more ridiculous as an adult. So we find out that uh, the, the, the main camp guy uh, is trying to bring in the second chancer kids, as he puts them. Uh, they're in this detention, and they're trying to figure out what to do with them. So they have Ernest and go get them to to bring them in for the camp. And especially when I first saw him, I was like, okay, yeah, I remember these kids. Especially um, the one with the purple glasses, the kid who wears the tie. Yeah. And the the nice kid, the the little the little the short guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like, why is he there? Even from the beginning, he is polite and he's nice to like their detention person, where all the rest of them are assholes. Like that didn't make sense. Yeah. I think it was only because he's black, and that sucks. <laughs> like that was it was weird. It is. It really was weird. Yeah. So uh, on the drive, one of them covers Ernest's eyes, and ha ha ha, they're driving dangerously, and it's 
works out kind of fine until the end where he barely kind of crashes into the back of another bus mm-hmm. and that's it. But it's kind of weird. I mean, it's just as a kid, it's probably funny. Like, oh my God, he should be watching the road. We all know that. And he's not, but that's all right. <laughs> I do I do like this moment where one of the other counselors who is supposed to be their main counselor at the start comes over and he kind of yells the kid, you know, aggressively tells the kids, hey, you guys line up o- over there. And they go over beside the bus and put their hands on the bus as if it's, you know, the police coming to <laughs> right. it to go frisk them. Yeah. That, I, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. And pretty cute. So uh, at the mess hall, another thing that kind of just entered my mind. I remember seeing the chef, the chef and his like uh, oh, sous yeah. chef. Immediately, I was like, oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> uh, we see that the different kids, the very pretentious regular campers do not get along with the uh, new second chancer kids. And so they end up starting a fight, which ends up, of course, having Ernest getting hurt um, by a lunch tray getting smashed into his face. I definitely remember the lunch tray bit. Yeah. Because they yeah. smash it into his face and then later you see it and his face is indented in the metal lunch tray. Yeah. With the hat too, a very, sp- <laughs> his very specific That's hat. That's a very so. strong hat. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And a strong face. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he deals with a lot of pain. Yes. Uh, but, of course, it's the delinquent kids who get in trouble and not the other kids. So uh, then we see the uh, chef guy. I don't even remember his name. Just the chef dude. <laughs> he feeds Ernest some of these terrible eggs. Eggs erroneous is what he calls them. Like, this is some special dish he's been trying to do. And immediately I was just like, oh, I remember these things. But also I'm like, eh, this is not a funny scene. It's just it's just weird. <laughs> Eh, I giggled a little, especially at the end when he made his way outside and he puked uh, it behind the truck and it all splurred, splashed yeah. out. <laughs> that made me Forward. giggle a little. It, it, physics didn't make it yeah, there, <laughs> but yes. But yes, yes, he of course had to puke it up. Uh, at the lake, it is time to swim. And the little kid can't swim. So they shove him in, but Ernest kind of saves him, pulls him out. That other counselor's it. That counselor was a massive dick, which is why the kids uh, notice that his lifeguard tower isn't fully secured. And so they push him over and then he's some of the worst acting in the movie. He's just in the water. Oh, my leg. Oh, my leg. What the fuck was that? He's learning to swim the Stennis way. My leg. We don't see his leg getting hurt at all. We're just we're just seeing him in the water whining. Yeah. Uh, so they decide to let the boss decides to let Ernest take the kids as his counselor. You know him. He will become a counselor and he will have to work with these kids, which they know is just going to be a bullshit thing just to kind of keep the kids there. They're not expecting Ernest to do anything good with the kids. But I have a feeling, John, by the end of the movie, he's really going to he's going to bond with them. OK. Uh, all right. We'll see how it goes then. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, first, he uh, takes the kids on a hike, and we then cut to seeing this company called Crater, Crater Mining Industries or whatever it's called, and they're blowing up a quarry, uh, and we find out that there's a specific mineral that they're looking for because they're trying to sell it for arms, for like um, explosives or whatever, for missiles, sh- shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and really their their biggest the biggest uh, amount of this mineral is right where the camp is. And so they're trying to figure out how can we get this camp and how can we, you know, do stuff with it yeah. or how can we get that mineral? I had totally forgotten about this aspect of the movie until <laughs> it showed up. I kind of did too. Uh, and then it kind of flooded back to me. Oh yeah. Okay. We're going to get this. We're going to get that. So uh, the guy who plays um, crater, the, the main dude, 
John Vernon, and he is vastly most remembered as the dean in the movie Animal House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while on their walk, Ernest gets attacked by badgers because he messes with them <laughs> a little bit, I guess. I kind of, I mean, it's kind of funny. Where especially as a kid, he, he kind of turns to him. Says, he turns to the kids and he's like, "Now here's a lesson to be learned. Although they look cute and cuddly, don't ever, ever do this to a family of badgers." <laughs> Hey, you know what you should never do to, to badgers? And then he makes like this weird noise and then they attack him, which is all off camera. Um, yes. You know, save production costs, but it it's kind of funny. I, it, you know what? Go ahead. It, it was funny, Adam. It was funny. It's not like roll over gut, la- you no. know, gut wrenching funny, but it makes you giggle. I'm trying to actively as I'm going through the movie again, doing this breakdown with you. I'm trying to actively get myself into the mood of. Of a kid, like remember those days, mm-hmm. you know, like like Michael Jackson. Do you remember the time? <laughs> and can I, you know, in getting back to it, yes, some of that stuff is is funny. So, so because uh, Ernest is was hurt by the Badgers, they the kids tie him up with gauze, basically, and ha ha ha, have to spin him loose with the bus. Silly, yeah. I mean, very 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 slapstick. Yeah. So. Uh, the company tries to buy the land, and we see uh, the chief, who is the grandfather of the nurse. Uh, so the chief owns the land, and uh, the chief is played by Iron Eyes Cody, yes. who is best known. Do you know you know you know where he's from? I assume. Yes, he is the uh, Indian single tier Indian mm-hmm. from the seventies uh, recycling commercial. Yep, exactly. Uh, who controversially is not Native American? Exactly. Okay, <laughs> so I was going to go into this. He was born Espera de Corti, uh, the son of two it- Italian immigrants. Mm-hmm. In 1924, he moved to California, changed his name from De Corti uh, to Corti to Cody. He started working as an actor, presenting himself as Native American. Now, he was born in, I think, Louisiana, um, but in, but to full-blood Italian um, parents. Right. And he just really got into the Native American culture. He married a Native woman. He They um, adopted two Native children. And he lived and worked as a Native st- person like for his entire adult life. And right. he actually at least did like labored to try and promote Native American causes. Yeah. So it's kind of strange because he just kind of adopted this other culture. But at the same time, he, it, it didn't feel... As much as bad appropriation because he was fighting for causes and he, he became such a iconic symbol and he wasn't just using it to make a buck as an actor. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was presenting them in a negative way ever anytime mm-hmm. I anytime you do ever see him. So um, I've never actually asked anyone who is Native American what they thought of him, although I do know a few and I feel like I should have asked beforehand. But yeah, uh, I'll be interested to, to find out what the what their thoughts on uh, Iron Eyes Cody is. Um, if you have time to text somebody, maybe by the time we record, Ernest uh, goes to jail. If anyone wants to find out, you know, check that out. So Ernest then hurts himself with a knife uh, that he was showing for using from one of the kids. Uh, and we briefly see that motorized cart go by. And I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. These shots of this motorized cart coming by. I like that. This is good filmmaking. This is just setting things up. And, you know, it's planting the seeds of something that will come later. Uh, the chef guy continues to be weird with his machine. That's There we go. I mean, that's... It's that's, a running those gag. Are just, there are a lot of running gags in this movie. Very much so. Uh, Ernest sets off a lantern like a rocket. And then he decides to play poker with the kids who are all playing poker. 
and he all talks a big game. Ernest is very oddly confident a lot of the time. I wish I had his confidence. I'll be honest yeah. with you. No kidding. Like even like later on when he's like, "Oh, let's go beat him up," and he's just he's very actually like, "Who runs this town or runs this uh, you know mining company?" I'm gonna go beat him up, and he like actively tries to fight that dude. Yeah. Like he doesn't. I mean, he's scared, but he doesn't back down. Like holy shit, I do like here this little cut uh, where you know the of course he starts to play poker, and then we cut to him you know having lost, and he's like talking to the, the smart kid of these bad kids, and says, "I get paid on Fridays. I could let you have." $30 a week, that means I'd be paid up in 14 years, in a couple of months. And so that means Ernest lost around $22,000 to that kid <laughs> that night. So, wow. Yeah. We see the evil company being evil and kicking people out of their home, shit like that, just still wanting the camp, that kind of stuff. And hey, they're going to go to you know any means necessary. Ernest creates this ridiculous machine just to do a rotisserie chicken and hot dogs. He could have been a lot less ridiculous, but of course it goes wrong. Ha ha ha. He ends up setting himself on fire. Uh, the camp sets up a competition for like kind of native culture and respect kind of thing where they have to build something that is uh, from that tribe. Uh, Ernest kids are at first, of course, not interested. Ernest then uh, has a scene where he's at a lunch with the nurse and the chief and he gets bitten by fire ants. Just... <laughs> For a comical thing, as he's in the nurse's station, uh, the kids give him a present, a nice plant, to make him feel better. But it's not a normal plant. No, he rubs his face all in it. Yeah, he's he's happy about it. He feels like they're really connecting with him. Yeah. But it's poison ivy. Yes. <laughs> so, uh-oh. <laughs> Which I thought was actually was a pretty funny gag by the kids. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a total dick move and yeah. really mean. Yes, and the nurse calls them out for being assholes. Yeah. And she really, and they feel bad about that. So um, Ernest then talks to his turtle uh, that things aren't going so great. And I remember this turtle bites. The second I saw him face to face with the turtle, I'm like, oh, yes. And the turtle bites the shit out of his nose. Uh, the kids come over and they're trying to have to help him get the turtle off. And they have to sing the tur- to the turtle to sleep to get him off. And they do. Kind of strange. And what do they sing? I guess something together, together's in it. They sing Happy Together by the Turtles. Remember me and you, and you and me. No matter how they tossed the dice, it had to be. The only one for me is you, and you for me. So happy together. Oh, I that did not click. <laughs> that's, that's actually, that's kind of clever. I like that. <laughs> Which is a great song. I love that song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Ernest's kids are uh, kind of further pushed down by the other asshole campers, which ends up motivating them that they want to make something for this competition. And so they start setting up and making a teepee with a little bit of a montage going on. At a campfire that night, Ernest tells them a scary story, which obviously does not go well. Then the chief tells them the story of the scene that we saw earlier Mm -hmm. about the the tale or the story of the, the knife, the brock, and the arrow that, you know, wouldn't. Uh, hurt this kid who on his kind of his journey to become uh, a warrior in their culture but after the story the kids go back to their teepee and it was set on fire which we know by the asshole campers that we uh, they've been kind of combating with so the kids go over there and they end up fighting with them uh, and now the big the boss guy at the camp wants to send Ernest's kids back to the detention center Um, but he ends up giving them one last chance so they're gonna continue Ernest 
tries to, you know, help motivate them to get back into this whole competition thing. We see that this evil crater mining corporation guy, he goes and he tries to talk to the chief and gives him a better deal. Hey, I'm going to double the offer, which means like $2 million and 10% royalty of whatever they take out of the land, which honestly is a pretty <laughs> fucking generous offer. <laughs> yeah. And so, but of course the chief, he doesn't speak English. He's been needing a translate translators who Ernest had knows this uh, native American sign language. And of course the, the nurse speaks to him in, in his language, uh, but they don't. Uh, so crater and the chief don't understand each other. Ernest comes in and crater then tricks him making him believe that he works for, you know, it's a conservationist and he just needs his signature to try and stop a mining company. Ah, ha, ha, we know that's not the case, but he gets uh, the chief to sign the paper thanks to tricking Ernest. So the camp now has to close. Oh, no. And part of me is like, at least the chief's going to be rich as shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, if I, I was like, well, damn, honestly, because the... The, the He didn't have them sign away the stuff without giving the chief money. He just had them sign the contract where the money get, where the chief gets two million bucks and 10% of the royalties. Yeah. So it's like, dude, just buy another fucking camp. <laughs> but, but that's not his ancestor's land. Yes, that, that is. that wouldn't be his ancestor's land. Correct. Correct. So, and that's really the, the issue here. So now Ernest feels like he needs to fix the situation. How, or how's he going to do it? He's going to do it with his fists. And so he confronts the construction crew, and this really big, strong dude comes out and kicks his ass. <laughs> Absolutely wrecks him. And I totally recognize that guy. He's had to have done, like, you know, kind of like a henchman roles before or side bad guy roles before. I swear he had a TV show. Okay. I mean, he I'm kind of almost looks like um, the uh, was it Bob Golick, uh, who was in... Um, uh, Saved by the Bell, the college years, but not quite. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, it wasn't him. So this guy is Lyle Alzado. Uh, and he, he was a former NFL defensive linesman who played for 15 years, and he won a Super Bowl with the LA Raiders. All right. Uh, at the nurse's office, Ernest obviously getting his wounds treated, and he's all depressed, and he's sad that, you know, he's ruined the camp for everybody. And so now we get this sad song, Gee, I'm Glad It's Raining. Gee, I'm glad it's raining. I hope the morning sun won't come up soon As long as it keeps raining No one knows my heart broke right in two I thought I had found someone I could count on till the end What they wanted was a hero all I needed was a friend Sure I'm glad it's raining I'm awfully glad it's raining And holy shit, once he started singing, immediately I was like, oh fuck, I remember this song and it makes me sad as shit. Yeah, it's a it's a tearjerker, man. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, he, you know, he doesn't have, like, the smoothest voice in the world, but he yeah. does put a little bit of emotion into it, and that really kind of propels the song. And it really is kind of, at the end of it, you're like, I'm not okay, man. Yeah, you're seeing, you know, as he's, uh, you know, singing, we're just getting, a, you know, seeing these uh, different shots of all these kids having to pack their stuff, and they're all sad, and... 
You know, just as just as we thought these, you know, second chance our kids were getting things together and being motivated, Ernest fucked it all up and now they have to leave camp. All right. Uh, at the end of the song, the rest of camp has left, but his troop has stayed. And, you know, they decide they're not going back to that institution. And the nurse kind of really ends up setting them straight. You know, they're they're talking shit about Ernest, uh, you know, in their camp, in their bunk. And she's like, hell no. Ernest is then the only one who's been looking out for you, that kind of thing. And so they kind of go to get him and they get hyped up with him about this plan. They're going to have to figure out, they're going to find a way to stop the mining company. And then we get a badass, like, montage training style song that plays. Like, this is very A-team. Very much so. And honestly, I really kind of liked that song. It, it felt it felt right. It, yeah. it was like a late 80s uh, montage, and I it was it was solid. Yeah. So they end up making like this makeshift Mad Max like war vehicle thing. <laughs> like a land pirate boat. The asshole campers also come over, think they're we thought they're gonna might give them shit, but nope, they want to join in. And so now they've joined forces with these uh, with their former rivals to take on the greater evil that is this mining company. We uh, also see the chef's machine has come over as well. They're going to help out the chef and that thing. Uh, and so now the chief prepares the kids for battle. You know, the nurse is not happy with it. She wants to do things the legal way. And so she heads out and the chief kind of preps them for war. Mm-hmm. So they then start their coordinated attack and we get different weird sound effects we get fire arrows uh we get uh them shooting food uh and especially the chief very gleefully shooting lemons at these guys (laughs) (laughs) then smoke bombs and then the thing that i remember the most is the parachuting turtle attack and that's really like one of the the big things is uh you know there are these snapping little snapping turtles that we saw established earlier from Ernest go and they fall from the sky and they're just attacking all these miners uh ha 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 it's silly but funny crater is pissed off and he's like fuck this i'm gonna bring a gun and go (laughs) go shoot these kids uh and stop this and so uh, before he gets there though we see the big main strong bad construction guy badass construction guy he gets there with uh, a tractor and he chases the chef guy i absolutely remember the scene of him chasing the, the fat chef and his friend as they ends up crushing their little chef machine mm-hmm. whatever the hell it is so and then he takes the tractor and starts destroying the different bunks laying waste to the camp and in comes that cart and stops itself in perfect duet machina style <laughs> but they set it up pretty well like multiple shots like at least four different times you saw that cart just kind of driving around yeah i mean it was a continuous thing and it was sort of like Oh, you, you, it's like a you get a little chuckle when you see it. Like, oh, there's that yeah, card, and that and card. I'm glad it did kind of like pay off essentially in the end. Exactly. So what they do is they load it with a bunch of explosives, and specifically the biggest explosive explosive of them all is this concoction called eggs erroneous, which is what uh, he <laughs> ate earlier. Which actually, I like that they brought that back as well. Yeah. 
So, you know, most of that kind of stuff would be a one-off dumb thing, and there's plenty of that in this film, but a couple things are gags that come back, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So they run that uh, cart into the big tractor, which blows up this big explosion, and, you know, the big uh, badass guy who beat Ernest up earlier walks out, obviously disoriented and hurt from the explosion, and Ernest bitch slaps him, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Knocks him. And knocks him out. So uh, then in comes Crater, who ain't fucking around. He pulls out his gun, points it at, at Ernest, and we even see kind of the crosshairs of Ernest running. Ha ha! It's just kind of cute, mm-hmm. almost Wiley Coyote style or whatever. I want to say something about this, and I, I apologize for interrupting you. So mm-hmm. there was something that actually bothered me when we. F- I don't know if it's when we first meet him, but at some point um, when he's talking to his lawyer person. He's standing on a cliff shooting at bottles that are down in his his quarry. And I think they were trying to establish that he's a good shot, which was setting up this scene mm-hmm. that we're about yeah. to see. But in my eyes, they did the opposite. They, sh- they, they set up that he's a horrible shot, and I'll tell you why. So the first scene you see is of five bottles. Three in the middle have been broken, and the other two are still standing. And then you see him shoot, and then one of the final two bottles breaks. Well, while he's talking to the lawyer, he shoots three more times. Then on the fourth shot, you finally see that fourth bottle break. I didn't know. <laughs> so he 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 missed that last bottle like three times before he hit it. So in my eyes, they were not establishing that he was a good shot. They were establishing that he was a bad shot. Uh, and most people like me would not have even paid attention. But you were counting the shots and you noticed. I like that. Uh, anyway, he points off at Ernest, and then we kind of get uh, the nurse's uh, voice kind of coming back to us. If he had faith in the Great One, the knife would not cut him. He missed. I can't believe he missed. If he had courage, true courage, the rock would not break him. (laughs) If the brave was pure of heart, the arrow could not catch him. All because of his bravery and his courage and his purity of heart. And so every shot that he does, even like, you know, right up close to him, doesn't hit Ernest. And then Crater just turns and runs away. <laughs> that was weird. I did have the, the, the memory, though, of when Ernest realizes that he's not going to get hurt, he gets cocky again. And then he takes his finger and puts it right into the barrel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so by that confidence, then he's like, ah, shit, and just kind of runs. <laughs> Though in my head, I'm like, this guy, other than, well, he kind of fucked himself over by shooting at Ernest, but the guy still had quite a bit of legal resource or recourse for suing them for blowing up a lot of his property. Yes. Things like that. But. I mean, he did trick the chief, and that in itself is a legal action, but the destroying of the property yeah. was entirely on the campers. Yeah, you're correct. I mean, they they definitely could have had the... the um that whole contract reversed because of proving, you know, trying to prove that it was a, it was a trick. Mm-hmm. But 
It, 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 you're right. <laughs> but anyway, in comes the police with the nurse who had gone to them, and she got a restraining order. And whatever, everything is reversed now. The camp is saved. Yay! Yay. Uh, Ernest is back up at the ladder working on the sign, that same thing that we started the movie with. And again, he falls uh, to the ground, and then this time the sign falls on him to ha ha ha. And then the rocking uh, song Braveheart from earlier plays, and I like that the cart, all kind of up in smoke <laughs> yeah. and still kind of hurt, drives by and the credits roll. And during the credits, we get this little extra scene of the chef making another batch of his eggs erroneous. And he uh, feeds, force feeds it to his sous chef guy, who turns into like a lounge singer. <laughs> I have no idea. Just weird slapstick comedy. Yeah. Let's start off, John. I am particularly curious about you watching this movie and it definitely sounds like you had your kids watch it was it a whole family affair or was it uh, just like one of the kids or both of the kids or what it we all watched it we all sat down as we've been prone to do anytime we watch a, i watch a movie for this podcast that i think is kid friendly uh, i will force my children to watch it mhm because i feel like that they will they will miss out and i don't expect them to love every movie we see cuz not every movie we watch i love but I was interested to see how this one was going to go because I was afraid that it was not at all, at all going to hold up. And I didn't know how my kids were going to react. For me, I mean, as an adult, it was too silly, but I definitely watched it as, okay, I definitely see how I would have liked this as a kid. And then my kids did enjoy it. I think my daughter was more vocal about it than my son. Um, there were a lot of gags that she just out outright laughed at that she thought was funny uh, or like anything that was gross. She would be the first one to go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. So uh, overall, I think they enjoyed it. You know, I, I don't think it was the thing that they enjoyed the most, but I was a little surprised that they didn't enjoy it more because both of them will tell you out of all the movies that I have shown them, their favorite by far is UHF. Yeah, that's what I thought was... I remember you saying they loved that one. Yes, uh, which I haven't even... They like they keep asking me to watch again, and I we just rented it you know, to watch it then, and I'm like, God, uh, now I'm going to have to buy it. Now I'm going to have to buy it because <laughs> they want to see it again. And so I kind of thought, well, this is kind of similar comedy. Maybe they'll like it. And maybe they did more than they, they said, but I think they enjoyed it more than they disliked it. Okay. And I was very similar with you. It's not a good movie. It's definitely, you know, it's got its shortcomings, but it did surprise me multiple times watching it, how much I would say nostalgia or how many times I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember this. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I remember that. Trying to get into the mindset as a, you know, of a kid really does help just explaining and talking about this movie that helped a lot. Um, but overall, I'm not really excited to watch Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> this one wasn't great, but I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot. And so, yeah. for I do it for the fans. I do it for you people. <laughs> All right, now we're going to talk Hey Vern, It's Ernest in what I think is going to be one of our quickest uh, TV show <laughs> reviews. Uh, this show was in 1988, had one season, 13 episodes. It aired on Saturday mornings for kids on CBS. And the cast, very similar to kind of like the movie anyway, Jim Varney is Ernest mm -hmm. and not much else. But I do actually want to call out Debbie Derryberry. 
Uh, she pull- what a great name. It is a great name, and she is a great uh, voiceover artist herself. So similar how we had an awesome voice uh, a voice person in the first film, uh, this actress has done really well. She's done um, a lot of different characters that you would probably recognize. Uh, she was Jimmy Neutron in all of the Jimmy Neutron stuff. Oh, okay, that's pretty big. Yep, she did voices on uh, Bobby's World and Life with Louie. Um, we talked about the Adams Family cartoon, and she was the voice of Wednesday okay. in the Adams Family cartoon. And maybe most famous, and maybe because of her link to Jim Varney, she did voices in Toy Story 1 and 2, and she did the voices of the aliens. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. The claw. <laughs> the claw. That was her. Awesome. Yeah. This show is a sketch comedy show. There's a lot of different sketches, and each episode kind of centered around one central theme. And then Ernest P. Worrell, uh, <laughs> he would like to say, he loves saying his, his full name. Yes. And his, as it's put, his unseen friend Vern, uh, as well as other various kind of sketch characters. I think the chef. Uh, well, that actor was in the show as well. He had stuff, and other people, you know, would just kind of pop up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of different sketches that some of them would be reoccurring. There was this clown family uh, that would kind of show yeah. up. Uh, there was like this haircut that would happen, um, and it would be some ridiculous kind of haircut thing. This character, Sergeant Glory, who a lot of these characters were played by Ernest or, or played by Varney yeah. as well. Um, he played the uh, Sergeant Glory, who every time he smacked this chart, all the kids would kind of jump up in their seats. <laughs> Existo the Magician. Uh, the character that I remember best besides Ernest is Aunt Nelda, uh, who was Ernest, uh, you know, or Jim Varney as this weird aunt who had like a neck brace yeah. and talked in a weird voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would show up. Also, Lonnie Don's uh, sound effects, which would end up just being fart jokes. <laughs> like, that was the entire thing. Like, it was a very silly. Yeah kids show um and and just you know in that same slapstick style i sat through two episodes and i fucking (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) i also sat through two episodes and um i'm I'm not sure why because after the first one you realized okay you get the gist of exactly what is going on because by the second one i'm like okay i've already seen these characters before most of them a lot there was a lot of repeating stuff and it was just a different topic Exactly. Exactly. It was. I mean, the sketches were pretty much cut and paste uh, for every episode, you know, with some other different thing. And then there was a main topic that went around. So I watched the very first episode, which was, hey, Vern, it's outer space. And then I watched, hey, Vern, it's holidays, where he tried to get into the world, uh, the, like a Guinness World Record book mm-hmm. for celebrating every holiday uh, in, in the single in a single day. I also watched the holiday episode. Okay. And then, uh, I actually, I'm not sure. I know I watched the other one, and I think I just kind of looped from <laughs> so my mind dumb. which one it was. The The holiday one stuck out, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was on YouTube, easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> but then I found out that they are on Tubi right now. Oh. So Tubi is a free free um, streaming site and service. I watch it on my Xbox um, and they have ads, which is not, which is fine, you know, because yeah. the rest of it's free. Yeah. So if you really want to get your Ernest fix, they have Hey Vern, it's Ernest, and a whole, uh, multiple of the films. Not this one, unfortunately, but I think I think maybe maybe goes to the army or and one other one. I think goes to school might be in that in, in on Tubi as well. Uh, so yeah, I should. So those are the options. I don't know why I would do this to myself, but I should try and showing this show to my daughter mm. to see if 
see how they how she reacts. Because yeah. to me, I was like, okay, I could see how like a kid would think this was funny. It did very much remind me of like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, but for, yes, but yes, very much so. But for some reason, like I just I wasn't getting the same you know funny vibe. Um, maybe I've just outgrown that type of humor. So I might throw on an episode and see what my daughter thinks. There you go. We'll yeah. see. Free on Tubi. So check them out. Yeah. The production quality of the show was really low. Quality is a um, generous term. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was handheld and just the camera was not very good. Honestly, and I don't mean this to sound rude to our um, friends from the North. It looked like a Canadian production. Does that sound weird? <laughs> kind of does. It sounds it sounds weird, but, but it does kind of look like a Canadian production. I, I'm, I'm not wrong. I, I know I'm not, but I, I kind of got those vibes, you know, from like a low-level Canadian. But I was like, oh, wait, no, this is just a low-level U.S. one. And that just means we're all equally crappy. Yeah, kind of like a, a you uh, can't do that on television level of production. Yeah, even lower, lower than that. Okay. Like, 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 like first first group of uh, Trailer Park Boys, you know, like a, like a pi- Trailer Park Boys pilot. I don't know. I've never seen the Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, they have, they're a Canadian thing, I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I don't know. Did you know that Jim Varney... Uh, won a daytime Emmy for his performance in this show. In this show, yeah, for like a you know best performer in a kids series. Good for him. The why did it only last one season? I that's I have no idea. Um, I didn't see that as to why they stopped. Maybe they were really trying to push to get into film and other stuff, and maybe that's why they stopped. Well, no, they had already done the film. This was this, this was uh, after that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe he maybe he felt he could make more money doing. Mm-hmm. Straight to video movies. We know his production schedule was probably pretty tight. They made nine movies yeah. <laughs> over the course like, of about uh, ten, 10 years, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. From eighty-seven to ninety-eight. Yeah. So that's uh, ridiculous. And I think he, he. I think even in there, there are a few like Hey Vern specials that came yes, out. Yeah. There definitely. Uh, and I'm sure he continued to do commercials and stuff like that, like around this time. Yeah. I would imagine probably bigger commercials. Right. I also I have to mention. I fucking hated that theme song. Hey, Vern. Today's your lucky day. We knew you wouldn't want to oversleep, Vern. We only do it once a week, Vern. Me and all the other guys, Vern. We even brought the pies, Vern. It's the Ernest P. Boral with a story and a moral and a big chuckle hip trip double dip super super green show. You know what I mean? Hey, Burn, we moved your furniture, and now we're going to fire up the barbecue, Burn. We owe it all to you, Burn. It, Yeah, it definitely did nothing for me. Oh, it was fucking terrible. Yeah, and the only other things I really have to say is I got so sick of hearing the name Vern, <laughs> and you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I got I just literally... But this this was even before I watched Goes to Camp, and I was just like, God damn it, I don't want to hear these this phrase anymore. I don't want to hear, hey, Vern, or you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, I'm glad that they didn't continue that for the movies, or at least not for Ghost to Camp. Yeah, 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 which we'll we'll find out <laughs> um, if they bring back. Well, I mean, they they did know what I mean a couple times. Um, yeah. And, I'm, and I imagine they probably will, you know, throughout his stuff. I mean, it's, it's his catchphrase. Yes, but I, I, in the movie, I don't feel like they did it to excess. They just did it a couple times, or like in passing, or some something yeah. where it didn't draw so much attention to the phrase. Yep, agreed. Oh, and uh, my thoughts are uh, <laughs> the show's not enjoyable. I, I mean, I th- did not like it as a kid. Maybe I would have thought it was kind of funny, 
but I didn't really watch it as a kid. Yeah, did, I mean, I didn't watch it as a kid. Do you? I only really remember Ernest from the movies. Uh, yeah, I don't remember if I ever watched the TV show. It may not have, you know, if it only lasted a year, came out in 88, I may not have seen it. Or maybe I saw a few reruns, but um, I definitely, definitely remember watching the movie several times. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't have any recollection of watching this show. Um, and as you said, you know, yeah, it might be good to, to show it to your kid. Uh, to your daughter, or in general, you know, to other kids, it might work. But as an adult, it's definitely not worth revisiting this show. Not at all. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Hey, Vern. Boy, I'm sure glad you switched from that uncola. Sprite's everything that stuff is. Clear, clean... Caffeine-free, but Sprite tastes better, because only Sprite has lime Know what I mean? Pop me another one of them bad boys. How about it? Burn him. Burn him. My hands burn. Burn him. All right, now we're going to go to the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we're going to be doing Justice League International. Um, just to put a nice little twist on this episode, and maybe we can enjoy this uh, this <laughs> this part of it. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be doing the following characters, and uh, these are all ones who appeared uh, in the just. It was actually just called Justice League, um, but it was in the I believe the mid '80s when they uh, started to do this run. Um, just a little backstory. This was after uh, the big. Crisis on Infinite Earths thing that they did, or Infinite Crisis, whatever the one of the crises is that they yeah. do. <laughs> crises, so many crises, so many crises in DC. It's the first big one, um, which happened after the seventies, um, where DC was actually just getting their ass kicked by Marvel. They couldn't get you know any good writing on it, so they kind of revamped some stuff, brought in some new guys. That's why that's how we started getting guys like Denny O'Neill doing stuff on on there, and so. They wanted to revamp the Justice League after this, but they could not use some of their big characters. Superman was already already had a run, and and they didn't basically didn't want to share. Wonder Woman wasn't available. Um, they had just introduced Wally West as the new Flash at that point. Um, the only person who allowed them to use one of their characters was Denny O'Neill, who basically took pity on them and allowed them to use Batman. <laughs> okay. So Batman was one of the uh, members initially of this version of the Justice League, but then we also had other characters that had not been used in a while. They used Black Canary. They had just acquired Blue Beetle from, I think, Charleston Comics. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, They had a new character named Booster Gold. Um, Then there was a character called Dr. Light. And instead of using Hal Jordan for uh, the uh, Green Lantern version, they used Guy Gardner, Mm -hmm. who is uh, an interesting version of... Green Lantern. I don't know a ton about Green Lantern. I just know that it looks really fucking weird. Guy Gardner <laughs> yeah, has like a yeah. weird haircut. Very 80s kind of douche. Yeah, is exactly. Guy Gardner. Um, and then they also had Mr. Miracle um, and occasionally Big Barda. Uh, so we're going to do those. Black Canary, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Guy Gardner, Mr. Miracle, and Big Barda. And I'll try to explain some of the lesser known ones, I think, as best I can. I still don't know all these characters all that much, but I had, an, I had fun doing the casting. Uh, so let's start with the new gods themselves, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Let's start with Big Barda. Adam, who did you ask? Yeah, um, there is 
you can kind of go a couple different ways because Big Barda is kind of, you know, big kind of warrior, almost looks Amazonian yeah. kind of thing. You know, not like not like print, you know, not like Wonder Woman Amazon, but like a classic like Amazonian women right. Amazon, you know, big, tall. There's definitely someone who I haven't had heavy consideration, but all the pictures that I saw from Big Barda, she was still very slender mm-hmm. and and very, I don't know, voluptuous, if you will, with a lot of her curves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's why I went with this actress who has done some badass stuff before, and she's very attractive. And I'm sure she could, you know, with certain stuff, make her look big. That's just kind of how you can easily do that right. with cameras nowadays. Um, I went with uh, Adrian Palicki, who is in the Orville. She was in mm-hmm. Agents of Shield as Mockingbird. Uh, she is uh, a good actress who I like to see in this type of work, and so I think she fit fits perfectly. I agree. Uh, for I love uh, Adrian Palicki. Um, I actually thought she was hilarious in Orville, and I keep waiting for the new season to come out on Hulu, and I don't know what's taking them so long mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that's a great call. For Bar- cool. she, you, honestly, it's probably a better call as far as looks than who I went with. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the the actor or actress I chose has the attitude to be Big Barda. Maybe doesn't exactly have those kinds of Amazonian looks. But I mean, looks can looks can be changed easily. Sometimes I think uh, yeah. the personality, especially of the actor, needs to also be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, I looked around. I did go with an actress who's a little bit older now, but I don't think that makes her any less of a badass. Uh, I went with Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, I mean, she is a definite badass. Yeah, but I mean, she's. She's tall, or she she always appears tall anyway. Yeah. She she can do some of the physical stuff. I'm sure they can make the however you want to make the suit look. I I just felt like she had the right attitude for a big Barda okay. character. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked her a lot. She's a really strong actress. I liked her and was in the Daredevil series. Yeah. Or you know, yeah, the Netflix Marvel stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. It's hard for me to say no. I mean, yes, even if you, if you just go with a slightly older big Barda, whatever, she's great. Yeah. She can make it work. Okay. Uh, all right, Mr. Miracle. This guy is interesting. I don't actually know too much about him. Um, there is a mm-hmm. book that was, uh, or a comic book or that came out, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago at most, um, that is just championed by every DC reader I've ever met. And I have it. I've just not read it yet. But I kind of went and looked out at uh, Mr. Miracle appeared a few times in some of the Justice League TV shows and some of the DC animated movies. So I just went and looked for clips for Mr. Miracle. And all of them, they all kind of showed him as like this goofy like stage magician. Yeah, that, I saw some magician clips. I actually watched some of the uh, Justice League Unlimited clips I could find online mm-hmm. or on yeah, on YouTube just to kind of get an idea. And there were magician aspects that he had to him for sure. So... You know, he wear he wears this mask and, and they show his face occasionally and he just looks like a generic white guy. Yeah. Um, so I went with somebody who kind of just looks like a generic white guy. Uh, I went with James Marsden. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can see that. He's very generic white guy. And even some of the clips that I saw, I didn't I, I didn't want to use the phrase wet blanket, <laughs> but he didn't he he wasn't dripping with personality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're gonna get upcoming, like a Guy Gardner um, or Booster Gold or whatnot. Yeah. They have they have lots of personality. Mister Miracle, I didn't get a lot of personality from, and so not to say James Marsden doesn't. He's a really good, no, he's good actor, he's just good but, at playing people who have no personality. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I think that fits really well. Okay, cool. Uh, well, then who yeah. did you go with? I shifted things up a little bit, mainly because 
I and I mean from the no personality standpoint. Um, I just wanted to be like, okay, I'm, because I'm getting these no personality vibes. I want to put a good actor mm-hmm. who has strong personality from some of the things I've seen him in, and I think he's he's yeah, he's a hell of an actor. And also, I there wasn't much of good uh, racial diversity in this Justice League International casting, Fair. so I wanted to to put some of that in there. So I went with an actor who I just ultimately want to see more of, and I put Sterling K. Brown as my Mr. Miracle. Okay. Love Sterling yeah. K. Brown. Great actor. So I have no problems with that. It, it, I feel you could have gone a lot of ways yeah. with Mr. Miracle anyway. Yeah. Especially, you know, they, he wears a mask a lot, so none of it, you know, it, and just in general, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Cast anyone. Yeah. Uh, so Guy Gardner, he is the uh, Green Lantern in this case. Um, he is kind of he's kind of an asshole. He's not kind of an asshole. He is an asshole. Um, <laughs> definitely. He, he's got a weird look. He's got like a he's 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 definitely got red hair and you know like a bowl cut looking thing. Yeah. Uh, who did you go with before I step in? So I went the way I typically do with some of these castings um, is I look up other fan castings that other people have done. And this one actor kind of kept popping up in a lot of them. And I couldn't get that out of my mind till ultimately I was like, you know what? I do think he works because he plays kind of like a, just a, a, an annoying douche in, a, in multiple shows, um, particularly uh, Breaking Bad. He just played annoying douche, at, you know, uh, Jesse so much. And he did a great job. I think he could pull off this annoying guy Gardner. I went with Aaron Paul. That, I think that's a, that's a good personality call. Yeah, on that. yeah, he may not have the exact looks, or he's not like a beefcake, or neither, neither is. I don't think Guy Gardner is a particular beefcake, right? But yeah, personality-wise, I think Aaron Paul could pull that off very well. Okay, I could see that. Not sure if he could pull off a bowl cut, <laughs> but yeah, and it, you would have to have the bowl cut. That is a requirement. <laughs> okay. My initial thought for this character was, if he was maybe twenty years younger, I would go with Michael Rooker. Oh, I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got I mean, definitely needs to be a significantly younger, but I could see that. So um, I ended up looking at a few other people. I decided to go with this guy. He's a good actor. He's been in a lot of things. He was in the he was in the most recent Star Wars run. I think he's a good actor. So hopefully I think you work. I need to bulk up a little bit. I went with Dom Hall Gleason. Oh, I mean, you get well, you stuck with the redhead. Yeah, particular. I also I was specifically was looking for a redhead as well. Yeah, yeah. Don Paul Gleason is a very versatile actor. Uh, I like him quite a bit. I I'm sure he could play. I haven't really seen him. I guess he played. He kind of played more like dopey, annoying in the Star Wars series. Yeah, and he played that. He played the the weird kid in Dread when we talked about Dread with the boys over at Talking Back. He yeah, was the, that's like right. the kid who had his eyes replaced because uh, what's her name? Cersei like plucked him out or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Cersei, <laughs> I forget yeah, yeah, whatever her name was. Um, <laughs> Mom. Yeah. Um, and he was really like skinny and nerdy in that one. Um, I think he filled out a little bit for the Star Wars one, but I, I feel like he's got you know. Plus, his father, Brendan Gleeson, great actor. I think. Oh God, phenomenal! I think he's got he's got the right pedigree to to play whatever he wants. So I, I feel like Guy Gardner is not is not uh, out of his reach. I agree. When you first said you wanted Michael Rooker but younger, I actually thought you were going to end up going with the guy who played his younger brother in walking dead norman reedus that's oh because there's like that's that would have kind of been a natural progression and actually just looking at norman reedus i think he could probably pull that off too. Uh, he probably could play it now actually 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. That's why I thought you were going to transition to that. That's not um, a bad pick, too. That, yeah, that'd be worth I, it. Honestly, I, I think it that could work as well. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> Dr. Light. So, there have been in DC, there have been two iterations of Dr. Light. The one that was in, in the initial Justice League one was a guy. I th- at least I think that's the one that, that was an initial one. I went with the the newer version of Doctor Light, which is actually a Japanese, or actually I don't know if she's Japanese, um, but it's an Asian woman. I did the exact same for diversity reasons. Yes, uh, I think she is actually Japanese. Uh, the actress I picked is not Japanese; she is Chinese. But I love this actress. I watched a whole bunch of stuff that she was in um, when she got really popular around the late '90s through the 2000s. Um, I don't know how our English is, but uh, we can we can either work through that or, you know, they're superheroes. They can just work through. They can just automatically know her language. Uh, I went with Ziyi Zhang. Okay. From Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon yep. is what I remember her best from. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember how old she is now. She's not that old. She was young in like the early 2000s. She, young. Uh, she's a, she's got to be close to our age. She's probably in her early 40s at, at early for i would bet yeah, at the worst yeah. um uh, oh 79 yeah, so yeah she's like 41 yeah yeah, yeah. and that, that 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 would fit very well yeah i like that call i mean i think she is an awesome actress so and i think she would fit she would fit well particularly with the 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 more recent iteration mm-hmm. of uh, dr light yeah all right who did you go with uh, I went with someone uh, who was uh, not too much younger. Well, she's a decade younger. She's from uh, she was born in 1989, but she has been kind of recently on a uh, superish hero show uh, called Jupiter's Legacy, uh, which is kind of a funky show. I, I she she's got the look, and so she's since she's done some of that other stuff, I think uh, she could work. Her name is Anna Akana. Well, she was a right. She was a writer on Ant Man. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So she's. So that's, I mean, and I liked, yeah, I very much enjoyed that first Ant-Man film. Cool. I mean, she, yeah, she's got the look What's for it. I'm, I'm, I'm all mm-hmm. for it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah, she got quite a bit of credits. Like, she's yeah. just scrolling through her credits. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Been on a lot of stuff. Good for her. Cool. Yeah. Good yep. pick. All right. Uh, all right. Booster Gold. Uh, this guy is interesting. I did actually enjoy watching him on the Justice League Unlimited show. Um, he's kind of a arrogant douche a little bit almost. I actually don't even really remember what his powers are. Oh, oh, she wasn't. So she actually I just look. She wasn't a writer on act on uh, Ant Man. She played. She played a writer oh. <laughs> on Ant Man as an actress. <laughs> so her her credit is writer. That's very misleading. But it's for an acting role as a you know who is some writer. Okay, that is misleading. <laughs> yeah, very much so. All right, so Booster Gold. Who did you go with? So I don't know much about Booster Gold, um, but what I do know is that he is a like a a confident douche like he's he's like he's like super super um overconfident like big big ego mm-hmm. that that's kind of what I, the vibes i got actually because i had to look up his wikipedia um to kind of get an idea of it and it said that kind of thing about him like he's he's his um massive ego is one of his uh defining characteristics mm-hmm. and he's you know got a good body he's a buff dude and so i kind of went to the well of wrestlers so that sometimes you see in acting and this guy has just definitely the vibes of a big ego douche style um, i think he was actually started off in a reality show and then he became a wrestler mm. um, i can't remember what the reality show was but take a look at this guy his name is the miz and he is a wrestler and i think he would fit perfectly as booster gold the miz the miz m-i-z 
He was once a WWE champion. I mean, he doesn't have like the best buffest body, but his body his body's not terrible. And he was a I think he was world he was WWE champion at one point. I think. Okay, interesting. But you, t- I mean, take a look at him, and he looks like a like a SoCal douche. Yeah, yeah, he does have that look. He definitely yeah. has that look. Okay, so for mine, so one of the th- defining characteristics of this Justice League run was the Booster Gold Blue Beetle relationship. Those guys mm. basically kind of became best friends and were kind of like like always getting into antics and and were giving like a very big probably well needed comic relief to what could be serious topics in Justice League and and probably something that propelled this version of the Justice League uh forward. So, in my movie, I'm making them the main characters. Even though be- okay. even though I would say and and um, I don't know if you did. I casted this as if it was going to be in the DCEU, which who knows if that's still going to be a thing. I wanted to keep there, or else I didn't because we didn't need to recast Batman again. No, we didn't. We've done them twice already. Yeah. In, even though Batman is technically part of the Justice League, I would actually make these two the main characters. Um, so okay. my biggest name stars are these two people, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, so for Booster Gold. Uh, to me, there was only one guy who could play something like this. He's already played uh, a DC guy, but to everyone's chagrin, and I think he would do better at this one, I went with Ryan Reynolds. Interesting. I mean, he can definitely pull off the douche vibe and like that kind of ego stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think people would be happy about that. You're right. To everyone's chagrin, like I, I don't think that would make that that would not make people happy. Well, that's you know, Green Lantern well, aside. Too- we just put that one in the past. I think Booster well, Gold is a much more appropriate character for Ryan Reynolds to play than Hal Jordan. Yes, but I, now I am putting that one aside because actually where I think my hesitation would come from, he's already got Deadpool. He he doesn't need yes. another character. He is <laughs> he is our Deadpool, and he's perfect. I don't want him as another <laughs> superhero. I want him as my Deadpool. Okay. Um, but I'm sure he would not shy away at an extra check. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> And while we're waiting for Kevin Feige to give him the okay to start making another movie, he can throw this in there. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Instead of whatever it is the the video game movie that he's got coming out that no one's going to go see. Yeah, you're right. No one's going to see. I mean, Disney will give the okay if they haven't already, which they might have, you know, that we just haven't really heard publicly. Yeah. Because more than anything... Disney likes making money, yeah. and if there's two things that the Deadpool movies have proven, that they make fucking money. <laughs> that was two things that they prove. They prove that both of them, Deadpool oh, one and Deadpool the, both two, movies both proved, proved that proved. they make money. Both movies proved. I thought you were that saying that they're going to prove two things. One oh, of them was exactly. making money. And I was waiting for the other one. <laughs> oh well. All right. So as I mentioned, my Blue Beetle is going to be. Kind of his partner in crime, almost, although mm-hmm. they're superheroes. And uh, there's there have been different variations of of Blue Beetle. Um, the I went with the initial variation, which is basically a guy who doesn't really have any powers. He's kind of like Batman. He was kind of like Charleston Comics' version of Batman. So he's just a guy who's athletic, um, fights crime, that sort of thing. Um, there is a version later, and I forget the name of the guy. Um, I know he's Hispanic. I think Reyes is, might be his last name. And he actually has like a beetle on his back. Like it's an alien thing or something like that. I don't know too much about Blue, no. about Blue Beetle. But I went with the initial one because I wanted to kind of stick to the uh, the initial run. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I need another guy who can be serious or funny and could play off Ryan Reynolds. And if uh, if if we ever do see Deadpool show up in the MCU, I would love to see how these two characters, uh, you know, would react or play off of each other. Um, but for my Blue Beetle, I went with Chris Pratt. Yeah, they could have fun. They absolutely would have fun together, and it'd be fun to see them on screen. Um, I thought, and maybe it's just from what I, I thought, Blue Beetle was like more of like a almost like Spider Man age, like a younger kid. That's the that's the second iteration. Okay, 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 and I I went more that route. Okay, that's fine because like on the face of it, putting some more diversity in there is probably a good idea. Okay. So going with the younger Blue Beetle, um, I forget what the guy's name. The older one's name is Ted Cord. Um, I okay. forget what the other uh, blue beetle. I'll look it up while you're telling us who you went as your blue beetle. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I I, I like the Chris Pratt for seeing what he and Ryan Reynolds would do together. Um, so I I didn't even actually know. I've only I didn't know that the blue beetle character was Hispanic. I would have gone with that had I known. Mm. But uh, so but I just kind of went with a a guy who typically has been playing kind of high school college age people more recently in Stranger Things, and I think. Uh, it'd be fun to see him do a role like this and work with, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. And kind of he, he, what I saw is kind of similar to Spider-Man. He gives, he's good at giving quips um, mm-hmm. and he kind of be kind of be like, you know, sarcastic and funny. Um, so I like this guy in Stranger Things and uh, I went with Joe Keery as my Blue Beetle. It's kind of, kind of a skinnier uh, as well, which I thought fit with the, at least like the cartoon versions that I saw. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, that that version of the Blue Beetle, which actually is the third Blue Beetle, his name okay. is Jaime Reyes. Okay. Joe Keery, I don't really know all that well. Okay, yeah, because you're not a Stranger Kid, Stranger Things guy. No, I've never not really watched him. And that's really what most people will know him from. And okay. if you if you from, if, I mean, he's kind of an ass in season one, but you still like him, and then you really love him. By the end of it and in season two and on because he forms a friendship um, with uh, the, the Gatton's character um, who uh, who you remember saying to his girlfriend. At oh, the yeah, end, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so he, him and him and uh, that character end up having like this kind of strange bond and friendship. OK. And so you, you really end up loving uh, this character of Steve Harrington. So I think he'd be a good Blue Beetle. OK, cool. All right. I'm all for that. Okay. Um, all right. So our last character, which I basically wrote them down most, more or less, alphabetically, which is why Black Canary is was the first one listed and the last one we're gonna do. Not that she's gonna be the star of the show. Um, like I said, in my version of the movie, it's gonna be the Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle Booster Gold relationship. Um, Black Canary, which I when I put this on there, I completely forgot. We basically already got a, Bla- a Black Canary uh, in in the DCEU. <laughs> Yes, and yes, absolutely. So if this is in the DCAU, you would probably want to stick with that. And also, we actually cast Black Canary way back in episode eight with the the, the dynamic duel guys yes. when we cast uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, but I think times have changed. It's been like almost four years <laughs> since we did that one. Yeah, uh, movies have come out since then. Things have changed. So uh, to me, it's it's I'm not I'm not at all having a problem yeah. revisiting characters. Which we cast um, Natalie Dormer. Back then, as uh, oh, Black yeah. Canary, and they cast—I think it was Sienna Miller—who was the, that was their choice. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I will go ahead and give you my choice for Black Canary. Um, I did actually enjoy the um, kind of ethnicity change that they did for Blue uh, for Blue Jesus, 
uh, for Birds of Prey. Um, so I kept with that, and I ought to, you know, if I uh, if I'd thought about it early enough, I would have just kept that same actress. But we wanted to be able to uh, cast enough characters, um, so I kind of kept the same idea. However, I want to keep one aspect of the kind of comic book Black Canary, and that is her stark blonde hair. So mm-hmm. I was. In the Birds of Prey movie, it's like she it's it's blonde, but it's not stark blonde. Yeah, and I want like bleach blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went with uh, I went with a younger actress because I wanted to kind of vary up some of the ages. Um, and this girl has been uh, doing stuff for a while. I'm pretty sure she's uh, she was one of the kind of Disney stars for a while. Done a whole bunch of stuff. Um, she she's in her early twenties, I think, but she's been doing stuff. Uh, since 2005 so she's been you know she kind of grew up in the biz and i think i might have actually used her before but her name is madison pettis oh she looks really familiar as in i'm guarantee i've seen her picture on imdb before and i mm-hmm. either you cast her or i cast her or something yeah um because i've definitely seen her okay yeah it would be interesting to see her she has very very curly hair I would like to see that super stark blonde. That would be interesting. Yeah, I think they would probably straighten her hair for that. Yeah, probably. But I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what blonde curls, but I don't really care. I just, I think she's, <laughs> uh, she, she looks the part, and she's got the right age, and she's got a ton of credentials. So I think she would work. Absolutely. All right. And who did you pick? Uh, I kind of also went to the Disney well, uh, younger actress as well. She has done some kind of action stuff. They had that series, Descendants, uh, that were like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the kids of Disney villains get their own kind of like, you know, superhero movie kind of thing. Right. Uh, so she's been in that. Uh, she's been in, yeah, other stuff. I think maybe she start, got into making music as well. But I think she, uh, oh, she's uh, voicing Bubbles in an upcoming uh, Powerpuff reboot. Powerpuff Girls reboot. So she uh, she is very much more the typical look, uh, the classic look of Black Canary. Um, but again, yeah, get, going with the youth side of it. And I think I've cast her before, or you did, or something, because I've seen her before as well. But came to my mind, I was like, okay, yep, you work for me. I went with Dove Cameron. And maybe it was the Birds Canary, uh, Birds of Prey, <laughs> Dove, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, Dove Cameron. Okay. Yeah, she, but she's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. So she's done some different action-y stuff. Uh, between Descendants and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So. Okay, uh, she is not voicing Bubbles. She is playing Bubbles. It is a live-action version that's going on the CW. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I'm not... I don't know if I like that, but uh, they've, maybe... I mean, they've already made the announcements. Uh, Donald Faison is playing the professor. Oh, that's right. I do remember him. I'm looking at this now. Uh, and Chloe Bennett is playing Blossom from she- Agents uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I see them. So they have pictures of like them in kind of their suits or in like the classic look. I and it's a CW show. Yeah, I am curious. Diablo Cody is one of the creators. Okay, okay. I mean, I don't want to talk shit because maybe it'll it'll be good. But it's then again, it's a CW show. But you know what? Some CW shows have been okay. Yeah. So all right, interesting. All right then. So there we go. More superpower stuff. So that just proves to me that she'd be perfect for Black Canary. Yeah. Overall, I think we had some good picks. Um, I think I think DC is kind of taking it on the teeth right now with their live action movies. They're just I don't know what I don't know if their focus is. Hey, let's just do this stuff to make money, not give us mm-hmm. some sort of cohesive 
universe and they're like, well, we don't want to be like Marvel. You know, fuck it. Be like Marvel. Yeah. You know, we love these characters. We just want to see good stories with them. We want to see all these extra characters. We want to see them interact. We know as, you know, as comic book people, most of these characters aren't known by the general public. But you know what? Myself included, until the movie came out, nobody knew who the fuck the Guardians of the Galaxy were. No one cared. No one cared. And they are one of the most, but that's one of their best movies in that series. Yeah. If Marvel can make that work, DC should be able to make that work. They need to get off their asses exactly. and stop looking at it, of, of it as, all right, how are we going to get the most money out of this? You know, stop giving us Batman's goddamn origin story. Yep. We don't need that shit anymore. We all know it. Just let's move on. Let's let's Agreed. let's get a, let's get some good DC characters on film. All right, and that was our casting of a Justice League International movie. Please join us next time for another top ten episode. John and Adam hit the late '90s and early 2000s really hard, like super hard, extra metal. When we do our top ten new metal songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.